What'd you guys think of that movie? Pretty epic, huh? If you're not careful, you'll miss something hugely important that we've unpacked this week. That is the character of God. You guys have had so much thrown at you in your classes, your chapels, recreation, an incredible week for you, who all got to come up here together, who uh, after lunch today are going to go home together. Like This has been an incredible week, but I don't want you to miss this. There is a God who sees and knows and loves you deeply. His word teaches that he loves you so much that he would offer up his one and only son so you could be in a relationship with him. He's good. He's holy. He's promised us the gift of his presence that when we're in relationship with Jesus, we're never alone. And even on our worst and darkest and hardest days, He's still beside us. He knows all things. He sees all things. And yet he still chooses to love us. I remember one time I was, I was uh, hunting. I like to hunt. Anyone in here like to hunt? I love killing innocent animals and then eating them. It's a favorite pastime of mine. Uh, it's a good time. Nothing? Okay, great. Just the weirdo up here. Uh, I do enjoy hunting. I was hunting with a friend. We were, we were bear hunting. And... Uh, we're about to go on this, on this trail, and it's split, and my friend, his name was Mike, he goes, hey, you take uh, the low road, I'll take the high road, which there's some irony there. I was like, okay, I guess I'll take the low road. Uh, and he goes, after two miles, these trails meet back up. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So I'll meet you, you know, about an hour, two miles down the trail, and then we'll get back to the truck. He goes, yep, all right, see ya. And we parted ways. He goes up, I go down. We're hiking down this trail. And if you've ever hiked alone in the woods, it's terrifying. It's a scary, scary place to be. So we're walking. I'm walking rather alone. I hear a stick break, and I'm like, whoa. I keep walking. I swear I hear footsteps. Ah. About an hour, uh, 45 minutes to an hour into this hike, I don't see where the trails meet back up. I have now convinced myself that I'm going to die alone in the woods and that everything I've ever worked for is gone because I decided to go bear hunting. And so there's this um, kind of signal that you do when you're in distress in the woods. You fire your weapon three times, and that's just kind of like known amongst hunters and outdoorsmen. And if you hear three successive shots, there's danger. So I'm really worked up at this point. So I, I take my rifle, boom, 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 into a tree, and I'm just like kind of waiting. About 20 seconds goes by, and I hear the voice of my friend Mike. Corey, was that you? I looked down and I remember he had given me a radio. I literally had a walkie-talkie right here on my backpack the entire time I'm freaking out thinking I'm gonna die. Here's why I share that story. If you're not careful in this life to remember that God is always with you and that he desires to speak to you, you're gonna feel alone. And so this morning, to wrap up our time at camp together, I wanna, I wanna just share with you the ways that God still chooses to speak to us, his people. Jesus says in the book of John, he says that my sheep know me and my sheep know my voice. That's a deeply comforting passage in scripture because it tells us that not only is God with us, but he speaks to us. He leads, he guides, he teaches. Let's pray real quick and then we'll jump into uh, this idea of how God speaks to us even still. Lord, we thank you for an incredible week here at camp. God, as we conclude our time together, I pray that you would help us to leave 
this place this afternoon knowing all of the incredible things that we've learned about you this week. And also that you still choose to speak to your people even these days. We love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Friend, if you're not careful, you will go home and live your life thinking that the God of the universe resides 8,000 miles away from you. When in Scripture, we hear an alternative narrative. When we read Scripture, we learn that God doesn't live 8,000 miles away. Rather, he resides 18 inches away in our spirit, in our heart. That's where God lives. Let, let, me, let me unpack for you what I mean by that. In John chapter 16, turn there if you have your Bible. In John chapter 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament, Jesus is addressing his followers. He's telling them of his, of his impending crucifixion and ascension into heaven. And in that same conversation, he shares this information with his disciples. He says this in verse 7. He says, But very truly I tell you that it is for your good that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You have to understand that, that in the same way we saw depicted in that film this morning, God still speaks and leads and guides his people. The primary way that, that God chooses to speak to us, even today, is through his son Jesus. Jesus promises that nobody can get to the Father except through me. Which means if you would like to hear from God, if you would like to commune with God, if you would like to have a relationship with God, that's why we talked earlier this week about what it means for us to lay down our lives to follow after him. Jesus is truthfully the only way. He's not the best way. He's not an alternative way. He's not a Western American way. Globally, cosmically, for all of eternity, Jesus is the only way. This isn't some last-ditch effort. This isn't something awesome that's been conjured up by people in the last couple decades. No, Jesus, the Bible tells us, is in all things, before all things, and has been seamlessly working together for our good since the beginning of time. So the first and most primary way that we will hear God speak is through having a relationship with Jesus. From that point, what he unpacks here is he says, hey, it's better for you that I go away because if I leave, the advocate will come. And then it says this. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to go to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus tells us that at the moment that we put our faith in him for the forgiveness of our sins, we become a version of the temple of God, that the Holy Spirit now rests and resides in us, that the promise of God's presence is never near or far, it is always with like God is always with you. And he says the primary role of the Holy Spirit is twofold. The first is the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of sin. The Spirit of God is going to let you know when you're in the wrong or when you're in the right. Why? Well, because God loves you. And as we talked earlier this week, sin is one of those things that can keep us 
from having deeper relationship with God. And so, of course, God's going to tell us when we're in the wrong. Why? Because he desires a relationship with you. And so the first place that God is going to speak to us is is about sin through the person of the Holy Spirit. He, He would go on to say that he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness, which means when we're not only in the wrong, but when we're in the right. The Holy Spirit will encourage you. The Holy Spirit will edify you. The Holy Spirit will continue to build you up and draw you closer and closer and closer. There's a big word for this, but it's an important word for you to know, even in middle school. The word for this is sanctification. The word for this idea of the Holy Spirit speaking to us about righteousness is called sanctification. Another way to look at it would be through this term spiritual formation. That is to say, there's a process that you have been on since the first day that you put your faith in Jesus that lasts until the day you die. Paul, the author of Philippians, says it this way. He says, being confident of this, in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What that means is when I'm in a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit tells me when I'm in the wrong, when I'm in sin, and the Holy Spirit continues to point me back to Jesus because he's the author and maker and creator of faith, and he, he pushes me, he challenges me, he guides me, he gives me opportunities to grow in my faith, he gives me opportunities to share the love of Jesus with others. When I'm reading through scripture, the Holy Spirit helps my mind and my heart to understand the deeper truths of who God is. My job is to put myself into positions for the Holy Spirit to do what he has always done since he was hovering over the waters of the deep in the Old Testament. Which leads us to the second way God speaks. The second way God speaks to us is through his word. Hold up your Bible if you have it. Do you have a Bible? Yeah? Let me give you a little clarity. I'm sure you've learned this at school, but let me give you a little clarity. This Bible was written over the course of about 1,500 years on three different continents by over 40 different authors. All of it, you could look at this like a, you can put your Bible down. You'll get a shoulder workout if you keep holding that up. All of this library of books is telling us the same story about a God who loves his people so much that he would go through great lengths to be back in relationship with them. And so when we read the pages of scripture, if it's the Old Testament, if it's the New Testament, all of this library of books that is the Bible is telling us the same story about the same God. Paul writes to this young friend of his named Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and he says this about scripture. Actually, I think it's 1 Timothy. He says this. Now I'm just curious why I have 2 Timothy in my Bible. Uh, He he says this. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is useful for rebuke, reproof, challenge, and correction so that the man of God would be complete in all things. In other words, what we learn from Paul as he writes to Timothy about the Bible itself is that it's a useful tool for us to understand the character and nature of God better. And that as we spend time in scripture, there's gonna be moments where we're challenged and convicted about our behavior. As we spend time in the Bible, there's gonna be moments where we're encouraged as we learn and understand more about God's love. 
As we spend time in scripture, there's gonna be moments where we may wanna talk to a friend and process what we've been reading. You've probably heard most of your life talked about in church, are you reading your Bible? Are you spending time with God? Well, here's why that's so important, because in scripture, we get to read words that were written down by a ton of different people all singing the same song and telling the same story about the same God that we've talked about here in chapel, that we've sang songs to, whose creation you got to learn about all week. Like this is the place where you get to learn and know and grow. Jesus has a parable about this. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says this. He says, he says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Jesus says, anyone who hears the words of mine, the things that I'm speaking, the things that I'm teaching, the way of life that I'm laying out for you, let me ask you a question. Where can we hear the words of God taught? Where? In the Bible. Yeah, the red letters in the Bible, that's good. Like, where, where can we hear the teach? Yes, yeah, sunglasses guy. Where can we hear the teachings of Jesus? Through creation, that's another way. Romans 1 tells us that. Yes, in the back of the room. Church, yes, yeah, someone, someone, I guess, doing what I'm doing now. Someone teaching it to you. But all of that is founded upon what we read in Scripture. So Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It says, the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now you guys are from Ventura, right? So is it fair to assume that, that at least a, a good portion of you go to the beach often? Yeah. When you were a kid, what did you love to do at the beach? Talk to me for a second. Yeah. Uh, make sandcastles. Okay, we're going to come back to that. Yes. Right here. Yeah. Love that. Perfect. Sand is lava, seashells. Yes. Oh, that's a favorite pastime. I'm getting slow. They tend to catch me more these days. Yes. Sand crabs. Yeah, I like to eat those. Yes, over here. What's that? Dig holes. Perfect. We'll come back to that one too. What else? Over here. Anyone else? Yes. What was that? Oh, I thought you said Pokemon. I was like, there are Pokemon at the beach? Like, I thought those were make-believe. Um, I love boogie boarding, too. Okay, anyone else? What do you love to do at the beach? Yeah. Jump the waves. Jump the waves. I would love to see you jump the waves, because I have a feeling every now and then one gets you. Yeah? Perfect. He didn't say yeah, I just assumed. Okay, one more. In the back, you have a, a mask on. Yes. Yeah, that's scary, intense, but I like doing that too. Here's one of the things that my kids love to do at the beach. We come, 
we have this big bag full of sand toys. Now, someone tell me the difference between digging a hole at the beach versus in your backyard. What's easier? Why? Yeah, because it's sand. It's easy to dig a hole in the sand. What Jesus is saying here in this parable is quite literally that. It's easier to dig a hole in the sand. Like, it's easier for you. And here's kind of the last thing I'll hit you with before camp is over. It's easier in life for you to build your life upon sand. It's easier for you to take the easy road and the easy route when it comes to faith. It's always easier to just, to just fly by the seat of your pants, to go with whatever is most popular, to allow your emotions and feelings to lead the way. That's the easy way. It's like digging a hole in the sand. It takes very little effort. But Jesus makes a promise. He says, hey, in this world, you will have troubles. That's what he's talking about here. He says the, the rains came, the floodwaters come, the wind blows against that house, and it can't stand. Why? Because it's built in sand. Jesus says, hey, actually, the, the, the person of faith, the one who's in relationship with me, the one who's learning to hear my voice, the one who's learning how to grow closer to me, he says that person is like one who takes a shovel and maybe a pickaxe and takes their time in firm, hard, rocky soil to build their life upon that. He says that's a way better foundation for life. Way better foundation for life is to build your life upon the unchanging, unwavering truths of who God is. If you would like to hear the God of the universe speak, build your life upon the rock. If you would like to hear the God of the universe speak, trust in him, put your faith in him. Remember, nobody comes to the Father except through the Son. It's gonna be impossible for you to hear from God, to experience salvation, to understand the deeper meanings of life apart from a relationship with Jesus. From there, we trust that the Holy Spirit has indwelt us, that that promised one, the advocate, has come into our lives and is actively molding and shaping and forming us to be more and more like Jesus as we go through our days on this side of eternity. As those two things happen, we spend time in God's word. And through spending time in God's word, the very foundations of our life get built up upon the principles of his love and acceptance and guidance and care for us. Let's pray. With your eyes closed and your heart bowed before God, I want you to just hear these words one more time, friends. He loves you. He loves you so much that he would sacrifice his own son. And he's invited you into a relationship with him. The king of kings has requested your presence. He accepts you into his fold. And he invites you to speak with him, to tell him what you're scared of, to tell him what you love. He invites us to ask him for things. He invites us to share this love with those around us. Don't be too busy to do that. Don't get sidetracked with other things. You're not too young. You can live this life that is marked by living with God. He desires that for all of us. Remember, in his presence is the fullness of our joy. So God, as we wrap up our time with you this week, learning so many things, I pray that our simple takeaway from camp 
from this week of outdoor education would be that there's a God who loves me and that he desires a relationship with me, that he chose me, that he handpicked me, and he wants to do life with me. Because of that, I'm never alone. And the more time I spend with him, the more like him I become. Help us to build our lives on that principle, O oh Lord, on that truth. Help us to be that wise man who builds his, or woman who builds their house upon that rock. We love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.